my gosh, when that bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be completely free and that's thanks to our sponsors this week mac weldon and fireside they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games in their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's in one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who like me Lives and works in La La Land. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, uh, that, that movie, Cleaned House, I really enjoyed that movie, but I was shocked that it, that it uh, ran the table the way it did. Not that it wasn't deserving, just that there were so many uh, deserving nominees in the Golden Globes last night. But if you have not seen La La Land, um, it's, it's, uh, it's worth a watch. I think you will leave feeling uh, uplifted and inspired. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a charming, charming film. Uh, that ending. Whew, that's a really good ending. Uh, we're back, dude. We've had three three uh. weeks. We had three. That's me just like rebooting the, the old brain uh, with three weeks of special episodes. And now we're back uh, kicking off uh, 2017 in earnest with our, with our regularly, you know, a regularly uh, organized show. And... Um, We've gotten an awesome amount of feedback this week from people suggesting guests. I asked uh, for suggestions for new guests that we haven't had on before in 2017. We got a great thread going in the subreddit over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Got awesome emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And the result is this week we have a brand new guest. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we're excited because DLC stands for... Delivery like caramel. Because we have the former voice of game trailers and the current voice of Easy Allies, Mr. Brandon Jones. Hello, Brandon. Hi, caramel coming at you. You guys are doing great stuff over at Easy Allies. That, Thank you, you just kicked that off this year, right? Or that we, start, year, we started in March. Yeah, March 21st of 2017 will be our one-year anniversary. Well, congratulations. It's, it's a lot of fun. We're, we're excited to have you. You were recommended by several people. Uh, to be on the show, so we're we're really thrilled to have you here. Yeah, I keep Thanks. saying no. Like, like at least twenty <laughs> listeners needed. To see, I was like, God, oh, we're going to have to do this, aren't we? But it finally <laughs> happened. So. <laughs> First of the year, it's 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 an honor. It's fun to kick off a you know brand new year. Yeah, man. Uh, and let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of video games this week. You can always submit stories for our uh, consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLCSOTW. Or by visiting our subreddit, DLCfeedback at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> Brandon, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Definitely not tech stuff. I saw a lot of the CES stuff, and I got a little freaky. Um, uh, I, Mass Effect Andromeda, I definitely have some some opinions on. So okay. uh, getting that uh, um, getting that launch date and knowing so 
I mean, we do know stuff about the game, but like, you know, two months out, I thought we would know more about Mass Effect Andromeda, a brand new Mass Effect for a brand new generation. You know, all of this potential of the series that 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 made such incredible accomplishments in the old generation. It's just like, what you know, what can they do now? And I guess we'll find out in two months. But uh, yeah, I thought we would get a story, maybe some character names, maybe like just a little bit more. Is that is that uh, maybe a good thing that that you know this thing is launching? As you said, officially we got the launch date. This week uh, at CES, they announced the launch date being March 21st, and that's real soon. Um, it's exciting that you know we we kind of thought that it would be March a March date uh, when they pushed the game from the 2016 release, but uh, I kind of think it might be a very cool thing how little we know about the game. 2016 was actually there were a bunch of games. Doom comes to mind. I know there's one more. I can't remember that. Like the uh, uh, Dishonored two also. Like people, little people were kind of wary on before it came out. You know, based on what we had seen. Uh, but to me, it's never like a great sign. But we can definitely be proven wrong. But uh, for for Doom, it, I don't think it matters as much as something like a Mass Effect. Like I said, because y- you need like a strong villain character. At least for me, going into an RPG like that, like you need kind of a more clear defined path as opposed to just. The, here's some planets, you know, some environments and stuff like that, and just kind of like a, a, a brief glance at the story, um, especially just because we're so close. And and there have been so many events at the end of the year, stuff like Game Awards, PSX, like there were big opportunities to have that. Hey, this game comes out in three months. Here's this one last thing before launch, you know, to get to, to get you really excited. And I just haven't had that thing yet. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little surprised that there, the hype machine hasn't gone into full full attack mode. Uh, this close to launch, but maybe that's what the next two months are for. Uh, and, you know, maybe they were not willing to spend a lot of those, uh, you know, holiday season dollars on pushing this game. And because, you know, we had all these holiday season games that were big holiday season games. And uh, Christian, what do you think? Are you excited for Mass Effect? We finally got the official release date. Do we not know enough? I want to be excited. I know enough, but Mass Effect fans don't. Does that make sense? Like it to me. I think it's the opposite. Really? Mass Effect fans don't need to know anything. They just need to know that it's called Mass Effect. No, they need to know everything. They need to know this is this is you know the they're without their shepherd, literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, they need to know if this is going to be more action. Is this is this Dead Space three? Like what's happening to this franchise? You know they've shown the glitz and the glamour and and the magic and the running and the huge monsters and all of the stuff that makes for an awesome trailer, but they haven't showed the mass effect of it yet. They haven't shown an interesting conversation between two characters that you're emotionally invested in. They haven't shown you making a difficult decision about where you're going to, you know, take your story. Uh, to me, I think that's the stuff that mass effect fans are, are cautiously optimistic about, but they haven't seen any of it. So like, what is this franchise now without the people that helped create it? What is this franchise going forward after the ending of Mass Effect 3 was originally so botched? Um, I think there are a lot of questions for those hardcore fans. For someone like me, who has yet to finish a game in the series, I'm like, this looks pretty enough. I'll put it on my game fly queue, right? Like, that's all I need to know. I mean, I'm definitely in the camp of less is more when it comes to marketing in general, especially with a known quantity like Mass Effect. I mean, obviously, this is starting off what we assume to be a new trilogy or at least a a new cast of characters in that universe. But, you know, I feel like... uh, Movies like Star Wars and uh, you know things that we know that we're excited about already. I think less is more. I think you don't have to show me specific story beats in a Mass Effect game. You can tell me it's Mass Effect. You can t- you can show me some 
some gameplay footage, which is what they've shown so far, that makes me realize it's pretty and it has lots of uh, cool, uh, you know, combat moments and lots of lots of great, big, grandiose story beats that I'm not really specific about, and that's enough for me. Uh, yeah, I think even if you had like 15 lines of dialogue, like percentage-wise, that would probably you know add up to like point. 2% of all the dialogue that will actually be in Mass Effect Andromeda and even just like a couple of lines beyond like in the trailers they released so far like literally the dialogue says like space is scary like this thing we found what's this I don't know like that's literally the dialogue we've gotten and so it's like just uh, just that other thing just one I know there's like 500 of them in the game just give me one like some little twist where I'm like ooh didn't do that in the old series that's interesting like what an interesting character I'm gonna have to fight yeah. just just one <laughs> you know like well, it's interesting it's, to see if, if now over the next you know two three months we'll uh will get uh, just an onslaught of stuff. But they don't really have... I mean, I guess GDC is, is going to be in that window, but um, there aren't huge moments for them to take the stage and, and really you know, show the game off. Yeah, well, there is though. It's just called the internet. It's called tomorrow, for all we know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's called the launch trailer, basically. Just one kind of kitchen sink, last, you know, last minute thing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Christian, you have a story of the week? Yeah, I mean, my story of the week, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but it's it's the future that I believe in that I think is still going to happen. I don't think we're there yet, but it was shown at CES as well, and it's NVIDIA now, or sorry, NVIDIA now, GeoForce Now, which is NVIDIA's version of uh, PlayStation Now, all that type of streaming stuff, and then Liquid Sky, which is also the same thing as that you know it's the game is in the cloud somewhere on a mega computer somewhere and then via the cloud you play it on your thing liquid sky is interesting because it's quote unquote free there's a free tier and you know maybe you watch ads to unlock enough time to play a video game or something which i don't know the specifics of liquid sky (laughs) seem questionable to me but when you see free and then you see nvidia now i'm sorry geoforce now uh for 20 bucks 25 bucks for 20 hours of gaming like I'm super excited that people are still GeoForce, right? What's up? I just want to correct you and say it's GeForce, not GeoForce. Oh, correct. I'm never going to get. I'm just going. Yeah, the Nvidia streaming thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Neo GeoForce now. Really... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been you've been banging this drum for three, four years now, saying that this the Netflix of video games is where we're all headed, and I've been a bit of a naysayer every time you bring it up. And you know, big companies keep throwing out these kinds of services. And we haven't really seen one catch on. Um, maybe these will be the ones, but I still remain pretty skeptical. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about the idea of a Netflix for video games? Well, I think you've, one trend that can, can possibly be steering us in that direction is just, you know, getting something like a PT or getting, you know, Sony loves to just, uh, what we call, I think, like phantom drops, you know, where uh, all of a sudden they're like, hey, does this game sound cool? Well, you can get it right now for free. And it, you just, you think, like, why wouldn't I play that game? Like, why, like the uh, near uh, Automata had a really great demo over the holidays. It was an hour long. And I was like, it's free. It's an hour. Like, why wouldn't I play this? There's no reason it's going to download in like 30 minutes. And I'll be able to check it out. And so I think a lot of games, you know, you have especially a lot of independent games are just like we have to break down every wall possible to make it the easiest thing in the world for you to check out this game. And if you're paying some kind of blanket price for something like a Netflix, and so you're not necessarily saying like, "I, I really need to invest in this one company or to get Disney movies or whatever. But year by year, it'll change what games pop in. And even if it's been five years since the King's Quest remake came out, 
why not play it? Like you, it's right there. You know, like even if it like auto downloads, you can maybe even in the future set like genres you like, and so we'll just auto download this onto your PC, and it'll be just ready to go. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's always one of those things in the back of my mind that's like totally where we're going completely not there now like in technology we're not there and i think the climate of the the industry isn't there but when you have this new generation of kids that's growing up where like everything is digital and accessible and right now like the i, I think the concept of it still cracks me up that people go to like a red box at a 7-eleven or something i'm just like that has to you know even even just the machine i, I just everything's got to be digital in the future like why leave your house uh, in the chat room, W. Matthew says that cloud games will never work because latency, latency, latency. I, I think that is going to get worked out if, if it already has not. You know, we're already to the point where there's a lot of these services where you can't really tell, and you know, without if you if you know, you can kind of tell, but it's it's getting there, and it's only going to get better. So that's that's merely a you know a, a speed bump now that will, you know, pun intended, that will uh, work itself out, uh, and then. Um, uh, Nil End in the chat says that uh, GeForce now seems nice in theory, but twenty five bucks for twenty hours? Come on, might as well build your own PC with that money. What do you yeah, say to that, Christian? We're not there yet. The pricing model's not not there. PlayStation now, I believe, has gotten a little cheaper, um, but it suffered from latency, and it's kind of just this service that still exists, but it's not continuing to get headlines. So I don't know if they're attracting new customers. And I, I don't think we're here yet. Uh, just like VR is out, and you can buy it and wear different headsets, it's not ready for quote-unquote prime time yet and i think this streaming you just obliquely threw that in to bait me but yes of course i did because i know that you will take the bait and you will say that this is coming don't you see the potential and i'll be like exactly same thing because here's how i get you on board jeff canada the wireless vr headset that also has streaming of games like that's the future so i go over to your house and put this thing on, and I can log into my account and play Flippy Flappy Pancake Time. And, you know, you can do whatever you want, anywhere you want, and you're not tethered to anything. Like, that's the future. And if, if you can't get excited about it, this might be my last podcast of today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, theoretically, I think it's cool to log on to something and have the entire library open to me in, in the same way that Netflix is. I'm... Where I get off the boat is uh, having the rendering of the game happen remotely, and I'm streamed the result. I just I'm just too old school PC gamer enough that I I want to crank it locally. I want to I want to do all the number crunching on my my end. And maybe How's that F1 manual transmission in your F1 car treating you pretty good still. You still yeah. rowing your own boat out there getting lapped? How's that working? Good? Good? No, I hear you. I hear you. It's the buggy whip theory. Uh but I just I you know, I want to I want to do all that stuff. I want to render it here. You know, I want that power. Um And you know, another uh, CES story uh is that AMD is going to give you more of that power locally. They just announced at CES their new GPU architecture called Vega, which is another reason why we need to throw our uh, graphics cards in the garbage. <laughs> Your graphic card is now garbage. You know that nice 1080 that you just got from NVIDIA? It's garbage. Throw it in the garbage. Uh, because this new uh, AMD Vega chip supposedly 45% faster than their flagship, the Fury X, which means that it's probably we don't have uh, you know actual testing units yet, but it looks like if that's true, it will outshine the GTX 1080 and Nvidia's Titan X, 
Uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. And the way they're doing it is really fascinating. They have all these new technologies uh, in the chipset that allow there to be uh, virtual memory. And they're calling it a, oh gosh, what's the term? High bandwidth cache controller. So rather than just using VRAM and you know asking developers to stick all of their assets into VRAM, they're making the throughput to the VRAM much faster so you can use um, you can use the assets of the computer, the actual you know regular RAM of the computer, or even a a very fast hard drive as a virtual VRAM so that they really can put so much more of the uh, assets into VRAM and create much more high density uh, imagery. So it's pretty slick stuff. The end result is, your video card is garbage, uh, but it also makes 2017 a pretty exciting time for the the arms race that continues to be the graphics card uh, market. Uh, you excited about uh, throwing your graphics card in the garbage, Brand? I have never been a big PC guy. I will totally admit I'm a major console gamer. Uh, I grew up as a Mac family, you know, so I was always kind of set it and forget it as far as like the home computer was concerned. Right. Uh, that all changed when we started Easy Allies because one of our first stretch goals was for us to have like a streaming computer, the computer like the fastest computer we could put together so we know we could keep up with games and everything, at least set the benchmark at the launch of the company because we knew it was going to be outdated in five seconds. I think we, we didn't even get the 1080, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, I just watched like, a documentary about uh, uh, the 80s uh, that CNN produced, and they have an episode where they talk about technology and see, like, you know, IBM and uh, Windows first getting created. And uh, it's the same thing back then. It's been the same thing for, you know, for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, Worst uh, law is a bitch. <laughs> yeah. But it's really exciting, too. It's, it's really fun to know, um, you know, we always want for, uh, we're, we're always want for uh, advancements in technology, and stuff like this just happens. I mean, it's just like it's 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 more of like a manufacturing thing than really like uh, do we do we know what happened? Like why the infrastructure changed? How often do they do that? Like they, yeah. how often do they change that name? That's the that's the uh, the big excitement for me. I mean, it is it is a completely new approach. It's not just, hey, our chip is faster, which right. is what we've been doing, you know, on and off for you know, the last few years. It's actually there's a new way to deal with processing the graphics commands from your games and there's like it's like three i'm not going to go into the details of it because i'll probably uh not be able to explain it very well no no no. go ahead go ahead i want to i'll let you (laughs) here's your rope go ahead uh well they're using uh (laughs) real-time physically rendered images uh they're you no there's a a new (laughs) there's an even crazier term in here but i can't find it right now uh yeah it's all all, what if all those terms just meant it was cloud-based they just didn't tell you (laughs) rasterization anyway um I think it's exciting stuff, but it also makes me go, ah, never can buy anything. I can never buy anything. Um, my, my actual story of the week, though, is going to be a VR story, and it is coming out of CES. Um, I'm really excited about the stuff that HTC was showing because I have really gotten to the point where I genuinely prefer the Oculus to the Vive uh, right now, and it has so much to do with comfort and ease of use. And the fact that HTC at uh, CES was showing off a replacement for the head strap that basically turns your Vive into an Oculus. It's, it's, a, it's a head strap that I think learned a lot from, from Oculus. Uh, it is a much more sturdy, you know, the floppy little uh, uh, neoprene straps that are on the Vive just aren't, they don't do the job. They stretch out. 
they kind of ride up on the back of my head uh, uncomfortably. In fact, I got to the point where I purchased one of those um, uh, welding mask upgrade things from Amazon and did one of this like these homebrew hacks that you can find online for the Vive. Uh, to try to improve it. And th- those those welding straps have like a crank in the back that tightens it. This new Vive strap that they're going to sell has one of those little cranks, a little, little uh, knob in the back that can tighten it on your head. It's just, it has the built-in audio, so you don't have to use your, your headphones. I think it's great that they are upgrading the Vive in this way. They also showed um, the, uh, the wireless... Thing that, that we were talking about at the end of last year that the Chinese company was selling that sold out in like 10 minutes. Uh, and everybody was mad at me that I didn't buy the TP cast uh, because I wasn't willing to go to a Chinese site and just plunk down my credit card. But it's coming to uh, North America. They're going to sell it uh, officially through the Vive store. It's not an actual HTC product. They are just doing it through this third party. But it's pretty exciting. Two millisecond response time. Uh, so you won't be able to notice any latency, evidently. I'm really excited to try that that wireless solution. And then, of course, this this other thing, the um, the tracker, the Vive tracker, which is uh, a little unit that sticks onto any any object in your world, uh, be it a baseball bat or a uh, you know a, a toy gun or whatever. And in then, the real world, not I mean, just to clarify, like when you said your world, like in like. On your yeah. beer and your, your world, real not stuff. my world. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. My world is a virtual world. Your world is the <laughs> real world. Uh, yeah, you can stick it on you know, a toy gun or something, and then it can track that in the game. So theoretically, you can, you can bring any real-world object that you want to hold in your hand into the virtual world because the Vive can then sense it. You had me at beer, though. I mean, that's like a, that's like a really practical implementation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you drink beer drink I just want to mark my beverage. <laughs> so <laughs> I can go back to it without taking a headset off. That's, I really uh, like that. That's the Homer's old game. You know, or no, no, I think it was a family guy where he said, uh, I have a new game. It's called Drink a Beer. How do you play? You drink a beer. I just drank a beer. You win. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, that maybe that game can be virtual reality finally. <laughs> Um, so I'm excited about that stuff. Christian, does that make you feel any more, uh, Vive envy? I, I mean, I literally cannot fit a Vive in my house, Jeff. So you just, I know you have like your palatial estate that you just moved into. It's like 10 right. stories tall and like 1800 square or 18 million square feet. I don't uh-huh. even know square feet anymore. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool the way they're, what's up? None of that is true. <laughs> the way they're like iterating on the headset. I am a little... Uh, I'm, I'm nervous as a, a you know a VR early adopter when the the big upgrade comes. Like when does the screen get replaced? When is that? How far away are we from me like not even being able to put on my Oculus or my uh, PSVR and just being like oh 1080p oh like when how far away are we? We're close, right? We're close. I think we're pretty close. Uh, and I'm really glad actually they didn't announce Vive two at CES because that would have been a sad panda. That was the rumor, oh. right? That was the big rumor. Yeah, that was a rumor. Um, a couple of other quick stories that I want to hit on before we move on. Um, Christian, I know you got that uh, NES Classic somehow. You managed to be one of the lucky few that got an NES Classic over the holiday. Uh, looks like uh, Russian hackers aren't all bad. A Russian <laughs> hacker named Mad Monkey uh, just uh, released a way, a simple way, relatively simple way, to add games to your hacked NES Classic. So it's it comes with what? 30? 30, uh, yeah. And uh, Nintendo said there's, they're not going to have any way for you to buy more or add more to it in any way. It's this, this is the, the, what it is. It's got 30 games. That's what it is. Uh, but this guy's like, no, I got 84 of them on there, and it's pretty easy, and you can do it too. 
Uh, you gonna do it? No, I'm not. I mean, maybe, but I'm not. I'm not jumping at the bit. It's it's my daughter's. I'm not gonna risk breaking her Excite bike machine, which it currently is. Um, <laughs> it looks safe and easy enough to do, but I'm not. I'm not chomping at the bit to load up a couple of other um, NES classics onto it. I do think it's interesting that when the hack first started coming out, that it, like the UI has space for like sixty. Or, like very easily so i don't know originally they had 60 games planned and then kind of cut it down to 30 or what that thought process was but it's exciting to see i mean i think people still just snap back like well if you're gonna hack it why don't you just get a retro pie i don't know good point but <laughs> it's neat to see people getting a little more functionality out of their device did you guys get one of these over at easy allies brandon uh, we, I believe Michael Damiani, Michael Damiani on our team got one. Um, I don't think Daniel Bloodworth got one. I know we had some people infamously like trying to get one and fail. Uh, my, uh, my brother got one. Um, and my big question with uh, importing games are my favorite thing, honestly, other than just that controller, which feels great, uh, is those games have never looked better. I mean, like the, the color and, and the way that those are displayed and the different ways that you can display them. I wonder if that functionality also carries over to new games that you bring in. Hmm. Cause like if the game doesn't look as good as the 30 that they preloaded on there, I, yeah, like why just emulate them? Like, I don't see the point of, yeah. um, of, uh, going out of your way to, to do that, but it is fun. I mean, that, that didn't take long. No, it was like, what, a, it a month and then sh- we're in. Yeah. It's cool that it, that it, uh, that it has the ability to hold more and, it's kind of slick how how he managed to do it. Like you, you, you get access in through a Super Mario Brothers save game slot. Yeah, kind of rad. <laughs> it's, it's it's a clever thing, and, and hackers be hackers. But uh, you know, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, the other last story I wanted to bring up is uh, another CES story. I just want to get your guys' opinion on this. Did everybody see what Razor showed at the uh, at the big CES uh, uh, convention? It's yeah, a and someone stole screen. it. It's a triple screen laptop. It's a laptop <laughs> with uh, with three screens, um, so that you too can be the biggest douche at your Starbucks. <laughs> uh, it's uh, you unfold the the laptop as you normally would, lifting up the screen, and then automatically two side screens retract or uh, what's the opposite of retract? They uh, track band. Expand, okay, uh, from the the back and wrap around, and you've got three 4K monitors from a laptop. So are the monitors coming out, is that, like, hooked onto the movement of opening the laptop? So it's like... I don't like, know like the exactly. Gears move, it, and then that's what pops it out, or is it, it like an electric? Move? I, I think it's a wow. mechanical. I think it's a mechanical thing, not an electrical thing. You know, not a right. You know, not like you push a button and they retract. So maybe. Uh, but man, this is nuts. I mean, obviously, Razer has had a history of not releasing some of these crazy ideas that they come out with. So this probably isn't actually ever going to be something you can buy, but. Would you want to buy it, Brandon? Would you want tr- three screens on your laptop? Uh, no. Uh, as an editor, it's always nice to have more space. Um, that sounds like it, it has to be a bulky thing. And, like, I definitely prize a thin laptop in my backpack if I'm going to take it somewhere. But I'm trying to remember, like, what Jean-Claude Van Damme movie I saw the triple laptop in. Like, there's got to be some <laughs> movie from the 90s where the yeah. guy opens it up and, you know, like, pulls like Robo- RoboCop maybe or something, like... Um, yeah, there's a concept that's really funny. I haven't seen a picture of it, but I gotta hunt it down. Oh man, it's crazy. Uh, you should watch the video because they show it like expanding out, and it's like, yeah, I want this. And then you think, 
sure. wait a minute, where where in the world would I be using this that I wouldn't feel like the biggest dork? <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, well, you call it dork. I call it awesome. I would show up and be like, oh, do you mind if I work next to you? And then I would open it up and it would just push the guy next to me away. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> now you're like, yeah. Yeah, it's too big and too bulky, but I love I, I do love the crazy stuff Razer does. I think maybe there's something exciting here for like uh, a desktop monitor. I don't know why you would go from one screen to three, but like the convertibility, all of this stuff is fun and weird and cool. And I think it kind of also speaks to um, with screens. We we're almost at that tipping point where like I don't know what the huge huge next revolution is going to be, but it's like. The screens and the TVs and the monitors at CES this year were so skinny. They had one that was like transparent went off. And like all of that's cool, but none of it is like you need it. Like no one is like, finally, I can fit a TV in my house. My house is only two inches wide and there was no room for a TV. Now there is. Um, Paper Mario called and. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I know what the next revolution is, Christian, and it's no screen at all. You just put on the put on the goggles. You just put on the goggles. Like, But then where are you getting the apps from? Oh, from a cloud-based server? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just don't understand why you need – the whole idea for this was, was for gaming, right? Three screens so you can you know, be surrounded by your game. It's like I can already be surrounded by my game. It's called putting on a virtual reality headset. Oh, stop. Oh, how, much, how, much right. are, how much are they paying you, Jeff? How much, how much is the VR consortium paying you? Yeah, the VR <laughs> lobby. Yeah, they don't have any money, Christian. It's just that. you, actually. It's just you. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, break for our sponsor real quick. I do want to thank uh, Mac Weldon for sponsoring the show. Uh, I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now and really not much else. Mac Weldon is the first thing I reach for out of my drawer. Mac Weldon is basics. These are, these are the kinds of clothes that you're going to need to wear every single day. And it's Did often- you just call Mac Weldon basic? Yeah, basic in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> basically awesome okay uh, great <laughs> these are the clothes that you often think about the least but wear the most and that's kind of crazy to me that you know we all, we think about that cool shirt that we get to wear you know once a week but you don't think about the underpants that you're constantly wearing or the undershirt or the sweatpants that you want to throw on in the morning mac weldon's got your back because they have smart design premium fabrics and simple shopping. It's the easiest thing online. You go, you just click. You don't have to you don't want to walk into some big box store and pick out underpants. That's annoying. Who wants to do that? Sit at home, get online, do it the easy way. It arrives in a really cool package, and these are premium, cool, breathable fabrics. They are antimicrobial so they don't stank, which is real good. And um, these are the, the, the silver underwear line is the one that's uh, naturally antimicrobial, which is really cool. Uh, they got underwear, socks, shirts. They look good. They perform well. I'm no joke wearing Mack Weldon boxers right now. I love them. Um, I, I reach for them first. They're, they're my, my premium, premium boxers that I love to, to, to wear. And we're going to give you 25% off. All you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com, use our promo code DLC, and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Use that promo code DLC, upgrade your basics, and uh, you know, feel better and stop stanking. We know you're stanking. Don't be stanking. MacWeldon.com slash DLC. Been a 
a while since we really had a playlist segment in earnest um, over the holidays. Uh, Brandon, what have you been playing? Well, I'm glad you haven't talked about it for a while because I've been playing a game and I'm still working through a game that I think most of the fans of the franchise beat like three weeks ago. And that's Pokemon, the new Pokemon Sun and Moon. I picked up a copy of Sun and I played my first Pokemon game in 2016 ever. I played Red uh, because it came out on the virtual console on the 3DS. And uh, it was a franchise I always just kind of peeked at from afar and have love role-playing games, love team-building stuff, love games where um, you can put a little crew together uh, and was always just curious about it. And so we actually made a show about it where I played through for the first time and Kyle Bossman on our team is a big fan of the of the series. And so just... Yeah, I, I watched a little of that. Uh, oh, it's, nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because you, you just go on and you have your, your notebook... And you're reading off these insane terms, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's how that person evolves." And the, the, it's like you're speaking a, a language that he knows very, very well. Uh, and and you know, your use case on this is is very similar to my own, up to the point where uh, you started playing it because I haven't started playing it. And I want you to explain to me if you can. Do you love it? Why do you love it? How did you? How did getting into Pokemon work for you? Uh, I, I've always been a collector. Like I've, I've always collected like action figures and I'm really addicted to, uh, um, the Star Wars mobile game called Galaxy of Heroes where you collect all the different characters from Star Wars and you put them on little RPG teams. So the, the concept that they're like, there's only 200 of these things out there. Go get them. Uh, and every time you're going to try to get more of these things, you're going to be leveling up the ones you already have. And there's the surprise element of if you can manage to stay away from spoilers. Kyle actually was not on Twitter for like three months because he's like, I don't want to see what these things evolve into. I want to know. I want to be surprised every time. Uh, but I mean, it's almost always a surprise when you hit that final evolution. It's just like, what, what on earth did this thing turn into? And, uh, and like I said, I, I, I really like a, a role playing game. Uh, that is not necessarily turn-based, but uh, l- lets you create a team or, or, or gives you like a lot of control over being able to switch out abilities and and really give your crew like a personality. So if I really like, um, like when we were playing Red and Kyle kind of scratched his head a lot of times, but like I would put something on my team purely because for the aesthetic. Like the first time I saw a Ghastly uh, or like the ghost type Pokemon, so I was like, th- yes, this. Like a Haunter, like yeah, I want that in my party. Um, I don't care what abilities it does. Um it's it's interesting comparing the scope of the game Pokemon Red that came out 20 years ago to the game now. I thought the size of the game would have been a little bit bigger. Like it's one of those things where you go in and you, you go to an island and there's literally no houses. So you're like, where, where's everybody living that's on this island? Um, so it's a little presentational that way. Uh, where, how like JRPGs can sometimes be, mm-hmm. but um, really colorful. I, I went to Yellowstone National Park over the Christmas break, and so it was fun to be in like zero degree weather and playing this game where I'm like basically. In Hawaii, like on the beach, like in the bright sun, like catching Pokemon. Um, but uh, and and certainly the the vibes of the new one are, are very cheerful. Uh, so it's it's nice to just have a, a a positive game, you know, on all fronts. My impression of it, as somebody who's never really dipped into the Pokemon world, is that it is all of the grindy stuff from JRPGs and none of the other stuff. It's just pure grindy. Am I am I wrong? 
It's grindy if you uh, want. Well, I like to overachieve. So whenever I even like back to like Final Fantasy VI, one of the like, first RPGs I ever played, like I would grind for at least one or two hours because I just wanted to have that edge. Like I'm like I don't want to have any problems. I just want to be like one or two levels higher than I should be. Uh, and if you want to go catch everything and you're crazy about that, but if you just want to get through the campaign, it's not it's not too bad. And like I said, there's you add the surprise element of if you're grinding in like a bravely default or something, you're gonna go out and fight the same enemies but if you go you know f- try to catch pokemon and you're leveling up that way there is that surprise that one in ten where something crazy you're like whoa what is this thing we'll try to pop out and the excitement of trying to catch it and then like what am i going to name this thing and am i actually going to put it again in my party just adds that one extra element you know of of the you know 30 40 to an hour you know if you just want to like run out and just run around in a circle uh I-, I actually astound myself with how patient i can be sometimes with like grinding <laughs> like it's it's never really been uh because it's I, I I like power, Jeff, and so whenever yeah, I, I whenever tell. I attain power in an RPG, it feels good. <laughs> uh, so are you a are you a pure convert now? Are you a Pokemon guy going forward? Well, I'll tell you what. Are you planning on getting the Switch? Oh uh, yes, definitely, but not for Pokemon. <laughs> well, the rumor is that it, this will be the first time we had Pokemon Snap for the G- 64 and Pokemon right. Stadium for the Wii, which was not like an actual Pokemon game. It was just something where you could fight. So, like, there's never been an actual story Pokemon on a console, and I think the rumors are we're going to get Pokemon Stars for the Switch. Right, and so that might be a fun uh, if they discount that in some way. It might be fun for you to maybe pick that, or if they have a demo or something, and it's just like, hey, it's on the console, I can take it with me on the go. Um, and, you're, uh, you're in. You're you're now going to be getting Pokemon every time. Pokemon. Well, they don't come out. It looks like they're a, like a two year release schedule now. So yeah, right. if, if this game only occupies me for like a couple months, then uh, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I mean, I, I've definitely heard in talking with Kyle about the series that the, it, it's had its ups and downs. And so he looks back on some games with disdain and others with fondness. So the next the theme of the next game might not be up my alley at all. I'm just like, okay, I'll skip this one. Right. But I definitely look at that series uh, from afar and go, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Christian, are you uh, are you Pokemoning? At yeah, all? I'm still I'm still playing through Sun. I, I enjoy it. I'm not you know sitting down to grind as much as I can and like every free minute I have. But I was on the road this past weekend doing shows in San Diego, and I brought my 3ds with me, and that I had my Vita as well. I'm still playing through um, Lara Croft Go, but Pokemon was the one that I chose to to fire up. It's just such an easy. It is. It, it's 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 joyful. It's light. It's whimsical. You get fun surprises. You get interesting rock paper scissor type battles that require just enough concentration to like that you can't not be looking at the screen um but at the same time what i love about the game in terms of like having it with you at a coffee shop or like even in the green green room at a comedy club before you go up like nothing happens until you hit a prompt like it it never plays without you so even in the middle of a battle like it'll be like what do you want to do you can just set your system down and walk away and as long as your battery doesn't die like that, nothing's going to happen. So it's perfect right. for those pick up and play opportunities. I actually brought it with me uh, to the movies. The past few times I've gone to the movies to like play during the previews or whatever. And uh, it's just a joy. I, I really think you'd the like it. Perfect companion to Manchester by the Sea. You're, just, uh, <laughs> you're crying and you're Pokemoning. Between Moonlight and Manchester by the Sea, yeah, I need as much Pokemon as I can. <laughs> Uh, I certainly would be the, the, the coolest uncle to my 11 year old nephew because he starts talking Pokemon and, uh, I wish it, I'm like, oh, no, I'm the cool video game uncle. I should be able to have a conversation about it and I can't. I can't. 
Yeah, I'm not that literate with it yet. Like my little brother was into it growing up, so I was kind of in, you know, in the the Venn diagram some, but never like obsessed with it. And I had it out at a club in LA, at a comedy club in LA, and this other comic who's younger than me came up and he's like, Oh, dude, what are you playing? And I was like, Oh, Pokemon. And he's like, Let me see your who do you and like I apparently I had some like pretty rare Pokemon and he starts like losing. He's like, You gotta and I was like, What? And he's like, dude, hold on. We got I got okay, what do you want? You can pick whatever you want. We gotta trade for that. And I was just like, You can have it. He's like, No, 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 dude. What this is incredible. And he was like losing his mind. And I was like, cool, this is fun. I have a new friend. <laughs> He's not really your friend, Christian. He just wants something from you. And I gave it to him and it made, it made his week. <laughs> <laughs> and and does, he, does he still call you? Yeah, on my, on my cell phone, though. <laughs> um, as opposed to your home phone? I don't even understand what that means. <laughs> on a 3DS, he doesn't, he doesn't send oh, him messages see. through. Yeah, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not <laughs> you were just universe worried. friends. He doesn't call your landline anymore. No. <laughs> Oh, man. They haven't uh, quick linked in a long time. He hasn't even WhatsApped me in forever. <laughs> uh, Brandon, what else have you been playing? What else have I been playing? I, I honestly have to like look it up on the list. I was like, what did I write down? Oh, I've been, I've been streaming. Um, uh, I went back and I played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood because they just remastered that last year. Uh, and um, it, it, Brotherhood is one of those games that I really was not sure if it held up. I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you. I remember it. I don't know if I have selective memory, but I'm remembering that really being the 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 assassins that really you know cinched it for me and, and added enough new stuff that was like here we go here we have a franchise that can maybe maintain like a yearly release schedule like a Call of Duty, um, and it's it's been a little hit or miss so far. It's been interesting going back and playing. Um, a game, seeing kind of the proudness of the first HD generation of video games. One thing that really amuses me about Assassin's Creed is in the in the left hand uh, like uh, mini map, the icons are enormous, and it's funny like comparing it to something like a Watch Dogs Two, which came out now and is you know like uh, not only a sequel to something that came out this gen, but is Ubisoft, which is you know has a ton of experience in open world games, and the icons are all very very tiny now. So it's like we've kind of gotten so used to HD that we can kind of squish and put back the HUD a little bit. You go back to those early 360 PS3 games, and they're huge. You know, like all the prompts and everything. It's just they're massive. Are you still a, a big fan of the franchise? Uh, yeah, I I didn't play Rogue, and I didn't play. Uh, I didn't really get very far into the last one, which his name honestly escapes me, which is terrible. Um, but I played everything up till Unity, uh, and. Yeah, it was always kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I, I, I enjoy anything from a historical perspective. I'm absolutely nuts for open world games. I love just like having the freedom to run around a crazy environment. Uh, I, I've, ne- I, I have friends that are way more into the story and have followed it, you know, close, more closely than I have. I think Black Flag's probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, but, um, and Brotherhood holds up. I just really, I really like in Brotherhood having these assassins that you train. And one thing that was always annoying about in Assassin's Creed One and Two was running across the rooftops and seeing a guard on another building, being like, oh, "I don't want to have to go over, run over, and kill that guy." So I guess I'll just get spotted. And now I can just tap L one. One of my guys pops out of nowhere, you know, like a puppet on Sesame Street, and just takes him out, and then nice. you know r- runs away on a street. And I can pick what he wears, and then level him up, and send him on missions and stuff. And uh, so I got a big kick out of that. Murderous uh, Sesame Street characters has always yes. been a, a goal. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, I was hoping that this the, the the fact that you were playing this didn't have anything to do with the film because uh, whoof, that film is bad. I haven't even seen it. I don't know whew. if I yeah I don't know if I want to make time for that movie. I mean, even just in um, it, it's kind of like Mass it's kind of like a Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, they're like when I first saw the trailer and it's like so you go into the past into your like family's memories. I'm like 
and and what does the, like that's that, yeah. that game came out you know a decade ago what else you got um yeah, and so much. yeah it doesn't seem more than that it does have one the movie does have one sequence that is like a cutscene from the game in live action and it's mm. pretty cool it's all like running on rooftops and doing parkour assassin's creed stuff and you know jumping into hay bales and things it's like okay now we're in it and that lasts for about two minutes and then the rest of the movie is garbage but that sequence is cool and I love Fastbender so much. It's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Uh, there's a lot of shirtless Fastbender in it. If you're into shirtless right, right, Fastbender. Right, right, yeah. right. uh, Christian, what have you been playing? I have spent more time this winter with, uh, well, I just Pokemon and, and, and some other mobile garbage. Um, <laughs> click this until you're done clicking it. Um, I'm never done clicking it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I shouldn't call it garbage. It's a uh, heroin addiction, and uh, I'm trying to fight it. Um, Blizzard Mountain, man. That's so good, you guys. Uh, Forza Horizon 3, it's the first big um, DLC that they came out for it. And um, I did. Some, I streamed it, I guess it was last week. It's archived on my YouTube now, which is just Christian Spicer 713. But like the way that they, it's, I mean, it's just a mountain, right? Or like a couple of different peaks of this mountain. And you can fast travel to the top of the mountain, which I think is really smart. Um, and, and it's just like something different about the gameplay where you're always bombing up or bombing down a mountain and switchbacks and the sound design in the game is still so excellent. It still has the great forts of physics. And like when you turn in and you come off of like an ice road into powder, like the way your, your car handles differently and you hear the crunch of the snow under the weight of your truck. I've been playing a lot as the halo warthog because <laughs> while nice. it's not great in the regular game, it is a beast in the snow. Um, and it's just so fun. And then one of they have, they still have the, um, they changed up a little bit of the game backing up. So instead of unlocking fans or whatever, you're unlocking stars and to get the stars, it's not just winning a race. So like one star is like complete the race or like top five or whatever. Two stars is maybe get first and then three stars will be like get first, but then they'll also, you have to get like do enough cool stuff like, you know, get enough drift points or stunt points or race clean for the whole race. So it incentivizes you that way and you unlock new races by, you know, not, unlike other open world games where you need to have enough stars to progress but you don't need to three star everything so if you don't win it's fine you can still have fun and get new challenges but they still have like the uh you're a badass moments and i'm blanking on what they really call it like dream dream race or whatever it is um and one of them is you're you're in a mini uh like a, the four-door mini like all decked out to ride in the snow and it's like <laughs> it's like create the avalanche or you're the avalanche or something like that and, and you got to get to the end by a certain amount of time. Racing game, no big deal. You're at the top of this mountain. You see the end at the bottom, and it has the drive line on there. And it's like, you know, in 200 feet, turn left. In 90 feet, hard right. And I'm going down this hill, and I'm just bombing down this mountain, right? And, like, the time expires, and I'm a quarter of the way to the finish. I'm like, there's no way you're supposed to. And then I was like, wait a minute be the avalanche so i reset it and sure enough just from the start i just like screw the switchbacks i just dove straight down the mountain and i'm just flying down through powder like trees just barreling past you if you make a wrong move you're gonna crash into a huge tree trunk and wreck and it's like this has to be the this, there's no other way you can do it you like launch over a frozen lake and then sure enough you finish in time and it's just like expletive yeah this is awesome <laughs> that and does it's just sound full really of those cool. moments yeah, it sounds more like, you know, what I wanted the game to be, which is burnout. But that, <laughs> that sounds rad. It will never be burnout, but this, ah, the way they go crazy with the snow is awesome. Uh, Ab Newton in the chat says he just bought Forza, his first, and the way the Blizzard expansion is shoved in your face was a huge turnoff. 
I've owned and loved the game before the expansion came out, so I don't. And I I bought the expansion uh, on my computer, so I don't know how. Like when you play the game, how it shoves it in your face. But uh, I'm also, or I don't know, so I don't know. Ab, I'm sorry if it's really offensive, but it's one big expansion. It's not like they're charging you microtransactions. Like the franchise, the Forza, I should say, Forza proper has had a history of being horrendous with microtransaction annoyances. So. It wouldn't surprise me if they maybe made a mistake in that regard again. I got to be honest, most of the gaming that I've been doing lately has been in VR, but I have been playing Mahats. I've been playing Heroes of the Storm, and I haven't talked about Heroes of the Storm uh, very recently. And it actually brings me to an email that was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Dave, who goes by Arrow-84. He's from Chicago, and he writes, uh, this question may just be for Jeff. Uh, but it can be applied to any game community. I'm trying to improve and learn how to play Heroes of the Storm. I've played a lot, but still unsure how to improve outside my usual character picks. I got grouped in a random group. No chat was going on. Characters were switching lanes, and I was playing Diablo. So unsure of what to do, I, of course, died a lot with little support. One player became aggressive and said things I didn't care for. I apologized and said I needed help. Tell me where to go. Rather than be supportive, I just got more grief. Some guys apologized and said it wasn't common, but I've had similar experiences. It seems the only time I seem to do well is when I can group with friends and the game is great. I had a four and a half hour session the other night and another three hour one just now. Would you recommend sticking around to hope to play with friends? Suggestions to improve or just walk away back to my single-player experience. It's frustrating how people are more hostile than supportive. I come to have more fun. hostile? Is that hostile. what you said? Hey-o. <laughs> I come to have fun and not be told things that actually hurt. Thanks for any recommendations. Well, uh, I have a few uh, specific recommendations that you can do. Um, the first is know the mode, the game mode you're playing in. <clears throat> I assume you weren't playing in ranked, but... Uh, I would suggest uh, very strongly that you stay out of ranked until you feel a little more comfortable with the game because that's what people get the most agitated. But to be honest, people get agitated in every game mode because, you know, basically the the idea would be if you jumped into uh, – if you walked down to the park and there were a bunch of guys playing basketball and you joined their game – and then you took both hands and threw the ball on the ground and ran the opposite direction in the court and didn't know what you were doing, people would say something. They would say, well, do you not understand how to play this game? And you would kind of understand why they would say something. Now, online, people are much ruder and, you know, that's unfortunate. People are uh, awful to one another and I wish that we could change all that. But I think, you know, taking some responsibility to learn the game before you get in with other people players is is a good thing and you can play a lot of games against ai as you kind of understand what you're doing now the game is going to be very different when you when you join it with other human beings and there is going to be a learning curve in when you feel a little more confident and you kind of know what you're doing jump into a quick match or a unranked draft mode and turn off the chat I understand you probably want to feel like you participate and you want to help people and hear somebody's suggestion when they tell you things. But honestly, you're probably not going to get anything really useful in the chat. Just turn it off for a while. It's fine. It's toggleable in the options menu. You don't even have to see what people say. And it's going to be a lot better for your peace of mind. But you do sort of have a responsibility to your team to kind of, you know, the, the first rule of a MOBA is don't die. Everything else comes after that. Everything else. 
learn how not to die. You're going to die in every game. There is almost never a game where you're going to have zero deaths. But the closer you can get to zero, the more everybody on your team is going to like you and the better you're going to do in the game. So figure out with each kind of character what it takes not to die. With a character like Diablo, you're a tank. You're going to be in the mix. You're a melee character. You're going to be mixing it up. And your job is to absorb a lot of the damage that would go to your assassin characters. So you're probably going to be in the mix and you're probably going to die more than most. But there are still ways to mitigate that. There are still ways to play smart and pop in and pop out and know what kinds of fights are good fights and what kinds of engagements should be avoided and knowing when to leave. You're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. Know when to back out. These are not games where you stay into a fight until you die. That is the wrong way to play for most of the time. Uh, you want to disengage from a fight when it's clear that you're not going to win. And the only way to know that is to play the game a lot. And you can play the game a lot in various modes and playing with your friends is great. But uh, really the juice, at least for me, is to play with strangers and destroy them. So ultimately you want to get to a place where you're playing with strangers and winning. And that's really, really fun, just like going to the park and playing basketball against a bunch of guys that you don't know and winning is really fun. I hope that helps. You guys want to throw in any suggestions there? I think that was excellent. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Christian, you got any, uh, any, any contribution here? No, I mean, it's just um, the snarky response would be go see Jeff's Twitter account um, before he got upset about uh, real life stuff. And you can see that sometimes playing hots just isn't a good idea. Um, Jeff's <laughs> tweets from a year ago will show you maybe it's better to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, these games are very frustrating. and, and But that's, it's not that the game is frustrating. It's that other human being interacting with other human beings that are strangers is frustrating, right? Because people are hard on each other and just interacting with strangers. But I think ultimately we learn, we grow, we get better. I am certainly guilty of getting frustrated at people who do stupid things in Heroes of the Storm a lot. Um, and you're just going to have to deal with that. And it, I think I'm becoming a better person as I deal with those things, as I figure out ways to focus on my own play and, and try to improve what I'm doing rather than focusing on what other people are doing wrong. And I think this is an opportunity for Dave to, uh, to do the same and figure out what, you know, he said, oh yeah, I was playing Diablo. I'm trying to get better, but I died a lot. Okay. Well, figure out ways not to die a lot. Figure out, you know, I talked a lot. Um, a while back about these concentric circles of awareness in a video game. And I think the first concentric circle is yourself, right? You figure out what am I doing? What do I need to do? What is, how do I not die? That's literally the first job is how do I not die? What is my character's strengths and weaknesses to get into a fight and get out of a fight without being a liability to my team? And then after you figure that out or you get a better handle on that, your next concentric circle is what is my team doing? What are the, how are they not dying? What are my responsibilities to my team? What role am I playing? And how does that contribute to my team? And then the concentric circle expands to the enemy team. What are they doing? What is the map doing? All of these different circles of awareness that lead you to have a better understanding of what you should be doing moment to moment. And uh, eventually, it just, that just comes from practice. It just comes from practice. All right. 
that's my hots uh, rant for for the year, probably. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys sending this in. It's uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can always uh, ask questions of us. Uh, we have a couple more emails coming up. But let's get now to uh, VR talk. But first, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Fireside. Uh, Fireside is a podcast hosting an analytics platform that was created by podcasters for podcasters. It was created actually by the guy who's founded this network, the 5 by 5 network, Dan Benjamin, and he took everything he learned since 2009 uh, from making podcasts himself and turned it into a platform that podcasters love. It's for any kind of level of expertise, whether you're a beginning podcaster, whether you just fantasize about making a podcast, or whether you've got multiple shows on a, on a channel all your own. This actually has enough uh, features and and uh, a range of ability for any of those uh, any of those use cases it has uh, unlimited uploads unlimited downloads massive amounts of real-time data and analytics about your unique downloads a super fast cdn for the best download speeds multiple podcast support and free one-click podcast importing from libsyn feedpress and simplecast so you have a show already just one click boop 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 it's over no problem it's now it's a fireside show it's got custom domain mapping, a beautiful, responsive website with your own artwork, host, and guest pages, and tons of advanced features like sponsorship integration, chapter markers, a bookmarklet for links, and auto-posting of future episodes, time code linking, so much more. And you can try Fireside for free for seven days, during which time you can import your existing podcasts for free while taking advantage of every feature that Fireside has to offer. The unlimited plan starts at just 19 bucks a month, and there's no commitment or long-term agreements to worry about. So go to fireside.fm slash DLC today, F-I-R-E-S-I-D-E dot F-M slash DLC today. You get to take the tour, have a fun little welcome message for DLC listeners. Use our code DLC and you'll get 20% off the standard plan for three months. That's pretty cool. Fireside by podcasters for podcasters. Been doing a lot of VR gaming. Uh, as Christian mentioned, I moved, and uh, my new space uh, has a, a dedicated VR area. I'm so excited. It's not really that I got more space. It's that um, I got the ability to move the stuff that was in the same amount of space that I had into the garage. Because <laughs> I have a garage now. So that means uh, there's more room to, to VR. So I'm excited to talk VR. Brandon, I know you have had some uh, fun VR experiences. What have you been playing? Uh, I just recently discovered Google Earth VR. How long has this been out? Not very long. It, it was. It's only been a couple of months now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. As I mentioned previously on this podcast, I enjoy open world games. And this turns the planet into, like, an open world game. It's amazing. And uh, one, one thing that I really like, and one of the reasons why I really love open world games, is perspective. And... You know, we, we have a joke at Easy Allies, like a meme we always say, where it's like, you see that mountain over there? You can go there. It's like a cliche that people say to, like, represent, you know, how big their platformer is, how big their open world game is. But it's it's fascinating to me not just to be able to go places that I haven't seen before, but go places that I have seen, like a Yosemite in California, but, like, get up onto a mountain that I never had a chance to climb and right. see what it looks like from there. And the draw distance and, you know, even with everything looking like a Nintendo 64 game, like the, the, um, 
the depth of the color and the way, you know, it takes a while for everything to kind of, you know, come together. Um, and, uh, you know, I love it, but it, uh, some, some VR games can make me sick. A lot of the stuff that I've, I've been okay with, but, uh, um, I definitely can't stay in that thing for longer than 15 or 20 minutes. But I, I, I've said, I've copped to this fact before on this show, but the first time I was in Google earth VR, I cried. (laughs) It made me cry. I was like, this is the few. This is it's it's the beautiful world that we all. It's the yeah. most amazing thing. It really is incredible. Yeah, and it's uh, it's an extraordinary thing whether you're you know standing over Yosemite as you said, or or you're hovering above Tokyo, and you're like the detail of the city is it's so amazing. And I keep thinking to myself, I want me a Sim City that looks like this. You know, I want a virtual reality Sim City where I can just reach out and manipulate stuff. Do it, or even, I mean, name your multiplayer game. Uh, Heroes of the Storm. Um, you know, imagine yes. being able to spectate a Heroes of the Storm match in VR. You know, oh, I imagine just, it every second of every just, day. It's just sitting there on a table in front of you, and you can just kind of look in and look around. Or like, if I could tap into a World of Warcraft or a Final Fantasy fourteen, you know, and like pick a server and go to areas and what, or like watch a raid, just follow a friend, you know, and like from their perspective, like, oh boy. Have you done the uh, the Dota 2 VR uh, viewing mode? I have not, no. You owe it to yourself to do Okay, that. cool, yeah. That's exactly what, what you're talking about. You can watch matches. You can watch the pros play. And you're just oh, hovering wow. over the world. And there's other people there. And you can see them and wave at each other. And you're it's incredible. Yeah, I flew right before this uh, podcast. I flew over to uh, the pitching mound in Dodger Stadium and just kind of stood there. And looked <laughs> around, awesome. like, what's it like to be in the middle of the stadium? And I'm a big theme park guy, so like flying around Disney World and uh, Universal Studios and 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 seeing. But and again, not only being like, oh, there's that attraction I love, but like, there's the building that it's actually in. Like, there, this is where all the employees park. You know, like, oh, yeah. what's what's this plot of land that they're you know building over there? The thing uh, that's crazy to me is that my son who's four months old that's gonna be normal for him totally normal yeah that every surface of the planet has been photographed and i have it on my computer and i can visit it yeah that's insane in my day we needed analog sticks yeah we needed to get into a car and drive to yosemite yeah yeah anyway uh what else any any other uh fun vr experiences uh i checked out a game called dino frontier at psx and uh, yes. I absolutely fell in love with Dino Frontier. I don't know Me if you have too. talked about it, but uh, one of the things that's great about Dino Frontier is uh, it, it's a sit-down game. And so I really like – I think there's definitely a difference in genres between your standing and trying to simulate you actually moving around a real space or just sit in that chair. Don't worry about it. Everything's just going to happen in front of you. And so you have this whole play space where you're basically uh, like – building up a western town that is defending itself against dinosaurs and you know i hope that would sell some people already like you know nice. others might need more convincing but like i just heard that concept and was like yes i would like to know more and it's it's not only that i'm you know assigning hunters with blunderbusses to be training them to learn how to ride onto raptors and chase after t-rexes but like using the the two move controllers i can on it's on psvr i can just zoom in at any point and watch all of this stuff happen and pick up a dude and move him around uh and it's it, again just having that perspective over this open space and just seeing like you were saying like if you had a sim city or something you right. can just watch all these digital you know weirdos walk around i uh, love the interface of that game where each building has a little uh funnel at the top and you just mm-hmm. drop dudes into it and they come tumbling out the other side transformed into what that building be- makes them into mm-hmm. uh it's so brilliant i was gushing about this game after psx also yeah 
But I liked going into a, something like a PSX and coming out and having them, you know, really, uh, you know, blasting out games like a like a For Honor or Horizon Zero Dawn or Uncharted Survival Mode. And here I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, Dino Frontier. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> I agree, man. I came out. I was like, that was my game of the show. That was that was the game I was most excited to get hands on with. I just hope that they bring it to uh, other VR platforms because those man, those move controllers are just not the best for that fine you know finger detail if i could reach out with the oculus touch controllers and actually physically pick up the little dudes i think it would even be better yeah yeah uh christian how about you you been playing any vr yeah so i mean i guess the interweb has known about this for a while but it was my first uh diving into it um so i have the touch controllers for oculus and the game i said i'd liked the best when i went eyes on or face on as you like to say with your um vive when you got it was raw data and i was like you know what it's early access it still says it's vive only but i've heard that games kind of work anyway i'm gonna buy it (laughs) and i'm gonna see and i've been playing raw data on my oculus with touch controllers oh it works oh it's good that game's still good man they've blown it up since the last i played it too like it's 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 i don't know why it's still early access like that's a game Oh, yeah. It's got multiple character classes now. Yeah. Did you play solo or did you play with somebody? I just played solo because I didn't want to go into like multiplayer and be like, sorry, I'm on an Oculus. Like, I don't know why it's not working all of a sudden. Um, It's been great, like in terms of compatibility. But yeah, we need to jump on and play together. We'll go back to back and take them all down. So fun, dude. Did you play the like the Jedi class? Yeah, the, the well, it was the he's like the light sword and the force push is basically yeah, what yeah, I had. Yeah, and then they can't call it a Jedi, but everybody knows it's a right. Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my only problem, and this has been the other game I'm playing too. I don't know for whatever reason, uh, this didn't happen before, but the past week or maybe ten days or so, like one out of five times, I try to start up uh, Oculus. It says my sensors aren't responding, and I'll need to like restart unplug replug restart um, and i don't know why it's happening all of a sudden but anyway that's just like a, a vr annoyance and i've googled it and apparently other people have the problem and no one quite has an answer yet like hmm. it's usb three point like all the ports are fine you know it's just like sometimes it's like hey nope <laughs> sucks. um yeah it, it sucks but raw data is great and then i've talked about it before super hot vr um so I've played through it and it's a great just experience in general, right? It's that John Woo action experience. You're moving around, you're ducking, you're doing whatever. But then um, what was I listening to? Some other podcast, I forget what it was. And they were talking about like the stunting community that's kind of come up around uh, super hot VR. Where like every, the next map or the next play locale you're going to be in, you can usually see from the previous one. And so you can do a thing where like you finish off the one little area, you have your guns and you pop, pop, shoot, throw a bottle, and then you can look over to your right and you'll see the next platform you're going to be at. So you can pick up the hammer and throw it to yourself over there. And then you look to trigger the next thing. And then you look up and there's a hammer flying at you. you You can pick that up and then take out a guy. And then I've only done it once and I did not stream it. I did not capture it. So I have no video proof, but one time it's a level later in the game. I won't spoil like the puzzle, but there's a gun in front of you and to do it for real. It's hard, like timing and ducking or whatever. 
but I threw this thing. And so my plan was like, I'm going to make this level easy. I'm going to look up, grab this hatchet and then take it down and then get the gun. And I look up and I see that the hatchet was like too far over my head. So I just tried to clear the level the regular way. And I grabbed the gun. And then just for expletives and giggles, I put my hand behind me and I caught the hatchet behind my back. No look. And then took a dude out. It yes, was awesome. You did. It was awesome. And then I tried to do it again for probably 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and like capturing it just locally so I could post the hot clip. <laughs> I never did because when you throw a thing to your next spot, like it doesn't stay there in perpetuity. So if you miss a catch, it like hits the ground and breaks. Or if your throw isn't just right, it hits an object and breaks. Um, but you can look up some of these like what I call stunting videos and super hot. And it makes the game so fun, but so, uh, maddening if you're not able to pull it off because you're going for a stunt you know i'm not just trying to clear a level i'm throwing the guns to myself <laughs> dude we're just at the beginning of that kind of thing and i'm so excited about what hand tracking and vr are going to allow with regard to you know awesome games done quick type stuff or uh these guys that can you know, it's amazing to see somebody in Overwatch do an amazing, you know, wall leap thing where he kills four dudes or pushes them off a thing. Or It's amazing to see people do awesome stuff in video games. But the equivalent of Odell Beckham Jr. catching a ball behind his head is coming to VR. It's, it's that's, coming that's basically to me. I did that. Yeah, that's yeah, me. That's, that is... <laughs> that's what's going to You're happen. talking to him right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm here, Jeff. I'm, you, any questions? What's that? Yeah. It's just so cool. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of VR, as I said. Um, I tried out that Q Games. Uh, did you know that Q Games put out a game on Oculus? That uh, the guys behind Pixel Junk, all the Pixel Junk games, did you know that they put an Oculus game? No, because I'm catching hatchets behind my back, Jeff. Yeah. I did. Uh, it's called Dead Hungry. Have you heard of this game? Mm-mm. Dude, it's the craziest concept for a game. You play a short order cook in a food truck during the zombie apocalypse, but luckily the hamburgers that you make cure people of zombiness. <laughs> so you're in this food truck, you know, in VR, you're surrounded by, uh, it's kind of like, um, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the workplace game. What's, it, what's that game called? Job, Job Simulator. Job Simulator. Thank you. Yes, it's kind of like that, where you you know you have to do these mundane tasks, or it's it's that mixed with um, um. There was a bunch of you know like ten years ago, there was a big uh, push for the for uh, touch screen mobile games where you had to do a lot of uh, uh, waitressing or food preparation. Um, I can't remember what they were called either, but my girlfriend at the time was like super into that waitressing one where you would like. It's like it. my first cafe or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is kind of this. Yeah. Uh, so basically, there are zombies approaching your window that are going to kill you, and you have to take a, a hamburger patty from your left, throw it on the skillet to your right. It starts cooking. When it's done cooking, it has a little meter. When the meter fills up, it's done cooking. Can't let it overcook. You take it off, you throw it on a bun that are sitting in front of you. Then you reach to your left and you grab some tomatoes and lettuce and cheese. You got to throw those onto the onto the patty. And then you got to top off that bun. And then you physically pick up that finished hamburger and throw it at the zombie through the window that's coming at you. He grabs it, chows down on it, turns into a regular human, is like, thanks, bro, and runs away. So, you know, different zombies have different amounts of food they need to eat in order to be... Um, 
in order to be cured and you have, you know, different food to items that will unlock as you progress. You can do, you know, fries where you have to like throw the raw potatoes into the fryer and then pull them out at a certain time. You will start making uh, side dishes and drinks and stuff. It's wild. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's again, another example of, of kind of a mini game type thing, but it's also really fun and zany and it's you know one of those things where you're like turning all around in 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 space and physically doing all the stuff so i had a blast with it it's called dead hungry uh and then another game that was another complete surprise to me uh i've been playing so many of the touch games because those touch controllers are so cool uh, I was surprised to go back to just a controller game where I'm seated uh, on Oculus. And uh, Dan Trachtenberg actually turned me on to this game. I didn't know it existed. It's a game called Hero Bound Spirit Champion. You know how Lucky's Tale is basically a poor man's Super Mario Brothers? Or Super Mario World, I should say. Actually, it's Super Mario 64 is really what it is. <laughs> um, st- stupid. Um Hero Bound Spirit Spirit Champion is a poor man's Legend of Zelda in VR. And it's a pretty darn good knockoff of Zelda. I mean, it is Zelda. It is straight up Ocarina of Time. Um, you're you're playing as a little troll guy, you wake up in a in a village, your talk a spirit tells you you not to be awesome, you go get a sword, you go to dungeons, you acquire different items, you're gathering rupees, even though they don't call them rupees, but they're little gems that are money that you spend on things. I mean, you go into dungeons, then the doors require keys, and you end up fighting a boss at the end. It is Zelda. And it is not as polished. <laughs> As Zelda, that's for certain. It's not Zelda. It's not. It's not polished. It is. It is a poor man's version. But despite myself, I like. I couldn't stop playing it. It's it that Zelda formula works, man. It works, and the fact that you're in VR, it's a static camera, so it works like a Chronos, where you know you're a static camera and you can move your head around and look behind things and stuff, but you're not following the the character like Lucky's Tales camera. So there's no nausea. You're just you walk through a door and then your head is in a different place in that room. Um, but the combat system is actually pretty well done. Like you're attacking and and dive rolling, and you've got bow and arrow that you aim with your face and. It works really well, and the, the the puzzles are actually pretty clever. It it's a I think it's only ten bucks. It's like a really inexpensive game. And yes, I will freely admit you will probably boot this game up and go, oh, this doesn't look great. But it it it's pretty good. It's pretty good, and it's proof that like I want to play Zelda in VR, man. It's it's better to be inside the world. But don't aren't we past proof yet? Like when when do we get like I'm not trying to disparage this game, um, this is just in general. Like I'm past proof. I want to play the thing. I want the you game of the year thing. already. Play this thing. No, I don't want like hey proof someone can make a good version of this thing. Give me the good version. Well, okay, but I mean we're early days still. But this this is I think it's not going to be anybody's game of the year. It's not a AAA game. It is a solid Zelda like experience. That is better because you're inside the game world rather than looking at it on a screen. It's it it truly is better to be inside it. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. 
Well, I keep waiting for you to invite me over, so I'll continue to I'm wait over. patiently. I'm here. I'm here. I don't leave <laughs> I'm my I'm not house coming over this time. week. I know what you're doing this week. I'm not coming over this week. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what am I doing this week? You're solo, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm you're not roping me into help. You're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're here. Great. I'm going to play this VR game here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taking Hold care this. of my kid by myself. My wife going out of town for the first time, so I'm going to be solo dad. So, yeah. So, <laughs> prepare for next week. I'm going to be like, yeah, I didn't play anything. <laughs> I was just terrified the whole week. Anyway. Definitely no VR. No VR this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I got to do, Christian? I got to get one of those Vive trackers and just put it on my kid's head. <laughs> and then I just know where he is all the time. There you go. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on now and uh, carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Brandon, you uh, dabble in the tabletop arts, yes? I do, not nearly as much as I, I should and could. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love me. I, I own like tabletop games that are still in the plastic and that just kills me. You know, it's oh. like, oh, that looks like so much fun. So do I. Yeah. I've infamously, uh, uh, set out and attempted to learn the game of Thrones board game on two separate occasions, but didn't actually play it. <laughs> like we bought it and opened it up and then we're all sitting around drinking wine and like trying to figure out the rules. And by it, it was like, you know, 1030 by the time we finally figured it out and we're like, okay, well that was a fun evening and then yeah. tried again. But um, I've been doing uh, lots of D&D, which I've, I didn't get nice. into until like two years ago, really. Like I, I understood the rules. I understood um, you know, how the game was played, but just never actually did it. And the, my first foray into the arts was uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which a campaign nice. I started like, t- like two or three years ago, but didn't actually get into traditional D&D. And a friend of mine and I are just massive gothic horror fans. And so uh, when Curse of Strahd came out in 2016, the the the, the reimagining of the old classic campaign, right. uh, he was like, we're doing this and, you know, you're committing to this. And it was actually really interesting because he told me it was coming up and then I lost my job and then I start this crowdfunding thing. And so now I have my, my schedule is a little bit more flexible. So like before I'd have to like leave work early or I'd always show up late and be like, oh, sorry, guys, when we were doing Vampire and pretty much this whole Strahd campaign for D&D. I've been there the whole time. We, I can block out like a good seven-hour chunk that we can really dive into it. In the new 5th um, edition rules, actually, the, the first page, it says, uh, to, to best enjoy Dungeons & Dragons, quit your job. Right. <laughs> it, definitely, it says uh, employment gets in the way. Yeah, it's like it's like in here's the storm. How not dying is the most important. Like rule number one, that's rule number one of D and yeah. Don't don't work. Don't have a life other than this. Yeah, or yeah. No, rule number two is order pizza. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, uh, it, it's it's really great. I'm I'm a big ranged guy. I love picking uh, if if a class has hunter anywhere in the title. I usually gravitate towards that. Uh, so it's been really fun. Um, uh, being being a, a a an elf running through this world and uh, it's and it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I've done D and D stuff, but I always just kind of dabble and then I'm out. Where like it's been really fascinating doing an entire campaign and really seeing like how long that is and and comparing that to you know something like a Mass Effect Andromeda or a Dragon Age. Um, just as far as like all the characters you can talk to and places you can go to and outcomes. Um, but well, I think it's so amazing about that is, is there's, it's just the limits of your GM's imagination, right? You you go yeah. where you want because they'll fill it in. Do you have any, um, any fun moments that you can recount for us? Oh, I turned into a raven. Oh my God. I mean, that was <laughs> on purpose. Uh, I was not expecting that. I, I am a were raven, so I can, 
uh, I have special armor built. So I have three forms. I have like my human form, and then uh, I can either tr- I can turn into like a raven type person. So like I I still have hu- I still have human form, but I can fly with my hands. So I, I can my, still. St- I, I think my third grade English teacher was a raven type person. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Uh, and so I I have special armor built that like I, like my wing things can fit in my armor, and then I can drop the entire armor and go all natural and just be like a raven. So we can do that for stealth. And so me, we have a, a four-person party, uh, and a couple NPCs that follow us around, but uh, th- uh, three of us did this. And so it's kind of fun when, when it's like, oh, no, something's happening on the third floor of that building. Like, I can just fly up there. Okay. And as a, as a ranger, when I found out I could do that, I lost my mind. And I found out, like, two sessions before I actually got the ability, and so it was just driving me crazy, like, the whole time. <laughs> I kept trolling the DM and being like, uh, I'd like to turn into a raven right now. And he's like, you can't do that yet. You're on the quest to do that. I'm like, ah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that was nuts. And just the... Uh, I'm a big fan in RPGs. Uh, Wrath of the Lich King is like was like the pinnacle of World of Warcraft for me because you you knew who the villain was, you could see the location. He was in this gigantic castle, so everything that you were doing was working up toward that. And so it's really great in a tabletop game to really feel the presence of this uh, of this bad guy. And um, you know, it being such a huge fan of Lovecraft and uh, you know Stoker and uh, Shelley and all these like great writers and, and seeing the inspiration. I mean, just just like you know, unabashed stealing from all of these different <laughs> right. classical sources, but in a fun, you know, homage to that stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny. It's almost taken us like an entire year. So I'm almost tempted if we get close to Strahd to be like, let's just take like a five month break and just do it in October. Like, let's do this right. Right. <laughs> I, w- I wonder how long just that boss fight alone will take. But um, yeah, that's been very rewarding. Oh, it's epic. That sounds really, really cool. So what level are you now? Eight. Nice, dude. You yeah, level eight ranger. Um, uh yeah and and to be honest uh, you know I I have we have a warlock and we have a paladin a dragon paladin which is really great um and uh I think someone he's like a, a mage but he's a crazy he's like a stat mage or something it's the kind of thing where like uh every now and then when he does a specific type of spell he has to roll a d20 and if it's if he rolls a 1 something like insane yeah. happens yeah chaos magic right uh, yeah. yeah he has a chaos mage yeah. and it's never happened the whole campaign yeah. i think he's rolled like 45 times and it's never happened my my friend uh, we the campaign that i was i was gming uh had that and there, he uh, did that and and burst into feathers like he sprouted a bunch of feathers all over his body. Right, uh, and uh, hilarity ensued. In every encounter, people would comment on the feathers that were on his body. Uh, there was one battle where he did a spell where spiders all flew out of his backpack, <laughs> and uh, I, no one in the party knew it, but the boss at right before that had happened had turned to me and made me evil just for that fight. Like basically had like turned me to his side. Oh, awesome! And so. The second I saw the spiders, I just did an AOE on the whole group because I was like, ah, spiders, you know, <laughs> like and had no concern for them. And it was like, it's fun. I think that's like, I think that is my absolute favorite thing about tabletop from a role playing perspective, strictly just playing your character is knowing something that, you know, the table knows, but they, the characters don't know, but the actors know you know and, and 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 having that limitation where like they really want to react but they can't because they don't know you know right. like they, they didn't hear that they didn't get that piece of information yeah uh yeah i remember there was a thing in vampire where like there were three different parties of us and we were all in a, a hospital and not none of us knew the other was there and so my character would be hearing noises and i would go in with my gun drawn and be like i really don't want to kill these people but 
my guy doesn't know they're there. And, and so like, yeah, it, thinking your way through those kinds of puzzles is uh, what, what tabletop does and nothing else does. So fun. Yeah. I, I used to do a fun thing where I would take a, a actual, you know, player, a person into another room and just tell them a bit of information that the rest yes. of the team doesn't know. Yeah. Very fun. Awesome. Oh, so cool. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Isle of Sky, which I finally played. Uh, Christian, you actually gave that to me for my birthday. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big award winner. You were hyped to play it. Yes, this was the tw- 2016 uh, Spiel des Jahres, the Kenner Spiel des Jahres winner, which is the the sort of the most prestigious board game award in the world. It's the German board game award. It's been around the longest. And uh, they have very... Um, unique criteria for their awards but this game was up against some just titanic games Uh, it was up against time stories which i've raved about a bunch of times and it was up against pandemic legacy which is now the number one rated game on board game geek so these are huge releases that happened in the same time period and and they were nominated against isle of sky and isle of sky won so I had said, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta play me some of that Isle of Sky. And Christian, you were so cool as to uh, give that to me for my birthday present. Uh, and it took me until now to get it to the table, unfortunately. But uh, my wife and I played it, and um, I don't know why it won. I was waiting for it. Yeah. I was hoping I had my fingers crossed. I mean, it certainly pales in comparison to those two games that I mentioned, but also I, I, I think it's a, a solid little game. It's just not anything particularly special in my opinion. Basically uh, it, it takes place in Ireland and you're one of five clans in Ireland that are, uh, you know, you're trying to score points and the way you score points is you uh, create little tableaus in front of you, little uh, little fiefdoms that you control. And um, the, the clever bit about this game is there's a bunch of tiles in a bag. It's kind of like Carcassonne, if you've played Carcassonne, where you lay tiles down and you have to match the side so you create a logical um, you know, formation of the tiles. Uh, you're creating a little fiefdom in front of you built around your castle. Everybody starts with a castle and you build off of that. And the way you build off of that is you draw tiles out of a bag in secret, you lay them in front of you, and then you decide. You have a little uh, a little screen that people can't see behind. And behind that screen, you decide one of those three tiles you're going to discard, and the other two you're going to price at a certain amount of gold. And the trick with that is the other players have a chance to buy a tile from you at the price you set, but if they don't buy that tile, you have to pay the price you set. So it's a fun little push and pull of, well, this tile looks really valuable to my, to this other player, so I want to price it high, but I don't want to screw myself because if they don't buy it, I have to pay that amount. So that's kind of the central mechanic of the game is this this economy that you're setting to try to you know figure out the sweet spot of making it not too expensive to you, but also preventing an opponent from buying it or whatever. Uh, and then you you know you buy those tiles, you place them in front of you, and those tiles can give you certain bonuses and and score you points. And you're creating little formations based on the tile. So a tile will have like half of a lake on it. And if you match it up with another half of a lake, you formed an entire lake. And there's certain bonuses that that give you, award you points in each round based on the kinds of formations you're making. So for example, if you create like a three tile uh, lake or a three tile mountain range or something, you can get points awarded uh, on a certain round. 
And that's really the whole game. It's, you know, you're fishing stuff out of a, a bag, you're setting its price, and then you're building it into your tableau. It plays quick. The rules are relatively simple to grasp. The only complexity comes in the number of tiles that there are, and the little symbols on each tile are a little confusing at first. But it's a pretty simple game. And I think, honestly, the Spiel des Jahres judges really prioritize simplicity and family, even though... They have a specific category. The Spiel des Jahres is made for family games. And the Kenner Spiel, which is what this one, is supposed to be a little more for gamers, not not so much for families. I still think that they have a little bit of a bias there, which may account for why it won. But, um, you know, I thought this game was was fine. It was fun. It just didn't captivate me in any solid sense. The, the theme is pretty thin. You know, uh, you're, you're, I love games where I create something in front of me, like Agricola where I'm creating a little farm in front of me and creating this fiefdom is kind of cool, but ultimately it's just a way to score points. There aren't, there's no fun fantasy about it. Whereas in a game like Agricola or Caverna, there's a fun fantasy about the little people that are living in that space and how they're living. So I don't know. I just didn't, I don't understand why it was so, uh, so widely lauded. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, reading about it, it seemed like what was appreciated and having not played it, but it, it was, um, an update to a simple mechanic that had been done before. Like there's that, that little spin on the peak and pass or whatever it's called. Um, I think kind of charmed people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called Isle of Sky and it's, it's good. It's just not, I don't know. It wasn't, uh, would never be a game of the year for me, especially in, in comparison to, uh, you know, time stories and pandemic legacy. I uh, did get an uh, an email, lots of wonderful ta- uh, tabletop time emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Keep those coming. We love it. It helps this uh, segment a lot. Uh, Ryan Wu sent this email. He said, longtime listener, first time emailer. I love what you guys do and very much appreciate the tabletop time because tabletop time is basically non-existent on other gaming podcasts. For tabletop time, I was wondering if I could request a slight in-depth overview thoughts and gameplay of, of Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island. I know it's a little old, but I just got it as a gift, and uh, I enjoy more complex games. I love the concept, but it seems a bit intimidating as rules, and uh, they seem a bit more complicated than other games I enjoy, such as Agricola. Um, Brandon, have you ever played uh, Robinson Crusoe? I have not. Uh, he's not joking when he says it's complicated. It, this is <laughs> a, uh, a cooperative game where you and the other players wash up on shore of a of an island and you have to survive. And this game is brutal. It is very difficult to survive. It's an extraordinary thing that in a board game with just cards and pieces of uh, you know, uh, pieces of wood and pieces of cardboard and and a, f- a few rules, it managed to create such a uh, dense simulation of what it must be like to try to survive on an island. Um you know, you have to deal with weather. You have to deal with uh, critters coming to maybe kill you. You have to forge a camp. You have to uh, – you can get tools and, you know, scour the the island for different things. And you can come across little, you know, uh, people that crashed onto there before that may have left things that you can scavenge. But venturing out outside your starting area is always dangerous and always hard. Uh, it's a game that I honestly found to be a little bit too intense to, to be fun. It just it's so hard. Um, you just you're always you know it's one of those things that I've said before on this show where cooperative games often are just about enduring 
bad things happening to you over and over again, which uh, isn't quite as fun as as doing cool stuff in games. Uh, but yeah, it has a very dense rule set, as he said. Um, I really like the game conceptually. I think it's amazing what um, the designer was able to accomplish. This is one of the most prominent designers in games whose uh, last name I always mess up. It's a difficult name to say, but um, I I would say that stick with it. If you like games like Agricola, uh, there are a number of videos. If you go to boardgamegeek.com and you search for Robinson Crusoe, there's a number of videos you could watch. They'll give you a sense of how to play. So you don't just have to, to, you know, go through the rule book. Uh, in fact, in any case, anytime you're playing a board game, I would always search board game geek for that game and see if you can learn by video because uh, most games nowadays have little video tutorials on how to play. Uh, that may make the game a little easier, but it's a it's a pretty awesome game when you get into it as far as how detailed the simulation is and how much stuff you can find and do and explore. But man, it's hard because you will be you will be, you know, malnourished and poisoned and having hypothermia uh, very, very quickly in Robinson Crusoe. I've read that to survive the first night, you had to successfully set up and play the Game of Thrones game. So, like, I was like, <laughs> right. whoa. That's <laughs> before you can even get into the other game. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, let's wrap up the show. We do have our parting gift coming at you. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, but, Brandon Jones, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Again, uh, it's it's an honor to, to be here for the first show of the year and help you. I, I hope the rest of your shows in 2017 are just as fun as this one. How could they possibly live up? Unless we'll get better. I, yes, I, I, uh, it's almost assured. <laughs> uh, tell people where they can find out about you and follow the things you do online. You can find me at Trailer Jones on Twitter. Uh, I recommend you check out either EasyAllies.com or go to Patreon if you've never been to that site, and you can find us there at Easy Allies. Uh, we're an entirely crowdfunded venture. Me and nine, uh, me and eight other guys uh, play games, uh, stream games. We have a podcast. We do shows, uh, other special features. We review games and such. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, we we do it entirely on our amazing community support. So that's where you can find me and us if you want more info. Very cool, Christian. What do you got going on this week? Oh man, uh, the Switch presentation is what I have going on this week, right? Oh, that is... dude, I, I have. We have a uh, a little uh, a, a tipster. We got an email from a tipster, Christian. You want to hear our tipster? We got much like varies in Game of Thrones. We have little yeah, birds. Little birds. <laughs> yeah. Little what are you birds. doing, saving this for now? What, I, yes, I forgot. Yes, I want to hear Until this. you brought it up, I forgot. Uh, next week, of course, our episode is going to be a, a lot about the Switch uh, reveal, which is happening in just a couple of days. But um, I don't think this tipster wants us to say his name, but suffice it to say... Todd Johnson at Nintendo. Todd Johnson. Always throwing Todd Johnson under the bus. Um, he said uh, pre-orders for Nintendo Switch will begin this Friday at Walmart. And he has that under uh, uh, authority. I had also seen and heard that GameStop is expecting very few of these things. Oh, good. So it'll yeah. be uh, an annoying and terrible and everyone will be upset. Well, they don't want to switch too much. You know, Nintendo do what Nintendo do. Anyway, um, so get ready because it sounds like they're, not only are they going to announce it, but they're going to turn pre-orders on relatively soon. So. Yeah, that's that. Yes, uh, that's exciting. So that's Thursday. I'll drop a hot take at least twenty more minutes uh, right after that because I'll just be like, I can't process. Need to talk. 
So that'll come out late Thursday, which is at Patreon slash Christian Spicer. And then I'll think about it over the weekend and correct any dumb things I say on Monday's show here. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I do a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. You can find it at departmentofparenting.com. Short, lighthearted parenting uh like an article or tip and then questions from our audience. And then this isn't mine, but a buddy of mine who I kind of came up with starting stand up back in the day in San Diego, Farazzo Zell's first uh, album, I believe comes out Friday. And I think it's got a great title. It's called Chilennial, <laughs> which I think is, is, is pretty cool. Uh, so that's Farazzo Zell. And I believe his album drops on Friday. And then Twitter is an easy way to get in touch with me at Spicer Twitch, Christian Spicer YouTube, Christian Spicer 713, all the stuff that you can find to uh, say hi. Cool. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T. And uh, I have a couple of other shows for you to check out. If you like movies and television, why not listen to us talk about it on the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at SlashFilmcast.com. I also have a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at WeHaveConcerns.com. All right, guys, let's get into our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Brandon, do you have a suggestion to get people through their week that might not be a video game? Uh, I'm always addicted to Netflix at all times. Uh, there's, there's, there's so much to watch. It's a theme park of, of family entertainment. Uh, I, I thoroughly recommend The Fall. The Fall seems to be one of the shows that not a lot of people, it doesn't come back to me a lot. Um, I, I, I know it's gotten critical acclaim, but, uh, a lot of my friend group, uh, has not seen it and, and still refuses to see it because there's just so many wonderful things to watch. Uh, but it stars Gillian Anderson and, uh, an actor whose name that I cannot remember, but he is the lead in, uh, the 50 Shades of Grey films. And uh, it's wonderfully disturbing because he plays a serial killer uh, on The Fall. And The Fall is great. It's in its third season right now, but I believe they only had like five episode seasons, which is kind of uncharacteristically short. And so uh, the season three only has six, so it's 16 episodes across three seasons. They definitely cover a lot in the story. This is not a a show that like drags things out. Um, But at the same time, the pace is very slow. And it follows Julian Anderson trying to catch the serial killer, really, really dives deep into who they are, what their types of personalities are, uh, and, and kind of tries to unpack his brain and figure out, like, why did he get to this point? Why is he doing these things? Um, you know, who is he and why is that who he is? And it just has this really slow, methodical, haunting approach to it. Uh, I just love the pace of the show. And one thing that I really respect Julian Anderson for is uh, it's really hard for me to accept someone in a using a different accent if i've already seen a lot of their work using another one so if like somebody is british and tries to be american or vice versa a lot of times i'll meet an actor like hugh jackman that just did that right away and then i didn't hear their accent until later i'm like wow that's a magician how they do that um but jillian anderson uh it takes place in ireland and she has this kind of like british irish accent and nails it like i've seen so many i've seen the x-files twice like all the way through and you would think that i just would not be able to process this character and uh she's incredible she creates this whole new persona totally seems at home in this world uh and it's it's not that it's not a kind of whodunit it's not there's not a lot of mystery to it it's just uh kind of in a breaking bad kind of way just seeing these characters unravel and and uh the situation get worse and worse and worse is um oddly compelling very cool again that's yeah. the fall on the netflix. fall on netflix christian how about you? you got a parting gift 
Yeah, when I was out of town this past weekend doing shows, I found myself with a, a morning to kill some time. So I was sitting at a coffee shop and through Marvel Unlimited, I I read almost all of, if not all of, the 2015 Marvel Star Wars comics. They're excellent. Um, it, it's such a weird time uh, where it kind of fills between the stories and, and the original trilogy. Um, and so I'm not sure... Like, I'm sure I could poke holes at it. If you really look at it, you're like, wait, what? This, hmm, they did, huh? But they introduce cool things that if you're just sitting down and reading and like I binge through a whole bunch, a whole mess of them, like nothing jumped out at me like, oh crap, this is where Jar Jar comes back or, <laughs> or anything like that. So if you're, if you're Jones in for more Star Wars, it's easy to recommend the, uh, what Marvel's been putting out. We have a listener parting gift sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Scott Sodi. Uh, he says, uh, thanks for the show. Been a listener since the weekend confirmed days. Also listen to Slash Film and Department of Parenting. Based on comments made on the show and Twitter, I understand that Jeff was wishing for some hopeful sci-fi after the Westworld finale. I just finished a series that fits the bill. It's the WWW Trilogy by Robert J. Sawyer. It starts out following a blind teenage girl, but also deals with the emergence of an artificial intelligence attaining consciousness. It analyzes the experience of the AI to, or excuse me, analogizes the experience of the AI to Helen Keller's experience being taught language and understanding the world outside of herself. It also makes reference to the book, the origin of consciousness and the breakdown of the bicameral mind, which was referenced heavily in Westworld. So, uh, that's a, that's a interesting. I might have to check that out. That sounds right up my alley. Very cool. Hey, br- breaking news, dude. What? Scalebound canceled. Oh, really? Oh no. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh geez. That's crazy. They released an official, it was rumored all this morning, and they released an official statement to IGN. After careful deliberation, Microsoft Studios has come to the decision to end production for Scalebound. We're working hard to deliver an amazing lineup of games to our fans this year, including Halo Wars 2, Crackdown 3, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, and other great experiences. Go straight into mentioning the other games. (laughs) Crazy. I wish I had done that on our predictions episode. Again, one year too early, Christian, on uh, a major game getting canceled. <laughs> but uh, wow, that is—it did not look good. I have to admit, it did not look good to me. Um, but and this is at uh, ign.russia.hacked.com. It's the <laughs> website that has it. <laughs> uh, I'll just say my my quick parting gift, and we'll get out of here. Uh, I, as Christian mentioned, moved into a new place, and I finally cut the cord for cable because um, can't afford that anymore because <laughs> I have a house. Um, but I tried. I was uh, was informed that uh, Directv Now, the new app from Directv that lets you basically stream live television, uh, they were doing a crazy promotion where you get the sixty dollar a month version of it for thirty dollars a month forever, as long as you don't cancel. And if you pre-buy three months in advance at thirty dollars a month, you get a free Apple TV, which. Three times 30 is still less than it costs to get an Apple TV. So you're getting like, you're making money. So I did it. Uh, and I, I, first time I've ever had an Apple TV. Pretty cool. Pretty di- digging that. Uh, DirecTV now is not too shabby. It, it really is snappy. Um, I have like a hundred channels because I got that, you know, upgraded thing. Uh, the only thing that's a major bummer is that I couldn't watch football, which is basically the reason I got it was like, oh, I'll be able to watch football this weekend because I cut my cable. I don't have television. 
but it doesn't have like CBS and NBC. <laughs> so I was unable to watch football. It's got to get a HD, it get an antenna. That's how I, I do it. It's better picture quality over the air HD. Yeah. It's beautiful. ESPN creates a problem, but I imagine direct TV now has ESPN. It does have ESPN. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. cool. You can like time shift a lot of the shows. So it'll, it shows up as if you're looking at a regular TV guide. But if you click on a show that has already happened, you just go and watch that show. It's, it's kind of yeah. neat. Yeah, get an antenna. Get an HD antenna. They're small. You can do an indoor. Mine just, you don't even notice it. It's like literally stuck to the back of my TV. Huh. I got to do that. Well, Streaming. Who knew that'd be the future? Like just like things on demand when you want them. <laughs> yeah. That will never work for games. <laughs> All right. With that, we'll end the show. Christian gets the last word. Uh, thank you uh, to uh, Brandon Jones and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thank you to all of our folks in the chat room for contributing in real time to the show. We really appreciate that. It makes it more fun. Thank you to all of you that downloaded the show. We appreciate our music contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.